is great to be with you. My name is Hans. I get to serve here as one of the pastors. It is a joy to be here during this season when it's cooler outside and we're in a new series and just all kinds of goodies. So I don't know how long we'll be in the Gospel of John, but we'll be in it for a little while. The prologue, the first 18 verses, we're going to go a little more slowly. So we're taking the month of December to go through the prologue. And the reading for this morning is just verses 6, 7, and 8. It goes like this. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Pray with me. God, you are gracious and you are good. And we are here this morning and we need nothing more than to hear from you in your word to better understand the person of Jesus and use even these three verses to help us better understand what it means to follow him, to proclaim him, to know him. So guide us through the text we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you've ever been in environments, we've all been there, uh, I think, but been in environments where you're supposed to talk to somebody about Jesus, maybe they're not a believer, maybe you don't know, and you're supposed to talk to them about Jesus, and, and it's really like putting on an oversized sweatshirt. You're just like, I don't really know what I'm saying. I don't really know if I'm doing anything right. I don't know if this sounds right. I, you just kind of feel, you just stumble into it, and you get done, and you're like, I don't know if they're going to be a Buddhist after this. Like, I'm really not, I'm not sure what I said. I'm not sure if I was clear. I'm not sure if anything made sense. Like you just finish and you feel like a failure. I think I've had more kind of gospel or spiritual conversations in that realm where you just go, I don't know how I did. Or you get super nervous, right? Like it's like you're about to ask somebody on a date. And, and you get super, like, like you feel it in your belly. Like here it comes. I got to talk to them about Jesus and I don't know what's going to happen. You're like. Right, and then it's like you know, it's like you're like in the movie Elf, and you're like, "Do you want to go eat food?" And you're like, "Go eat food? What do you what do you mean?" We have this just funny, funny way of talking to people about Jesus. It's kind of peculiar, like, like it, it's like we have to flip on like holy voice when we do it, right? So. You know, in a normal conversation, I might be like, hey, how are you doing? It's so good to see you. But then when you have to talk about Jesus, it's like, do thou think that thou is, is a sinner? And you're like, where did you get that? Where in the world did you start talking like that? I've never heard these phrases come out of your mouth in my life. Um, and it's like, yes, well, what is your theory of the atonement, unbeliever? <laughs> theory of the atonement? Like, how did we get here? Like, are you just kind of like you just you just kind of melt away because you don't even know what you're saying anymore. You just go, well, I've heard these said in sermons, and I've read books that say these things. Because I think part of it is is we get into these things where it's it's we get an opportunity to talk about our Lord, but we we don't know what to say in part because maybe we we don't know what it is to witness. We we don't know what it is just to speak of what is true, just to, just, just to talk about it. Or bad conversationalists. 
and we don't know how to talk. It's almost like we're afraid in talking to somebody about the Lord that we are afraid of what to say or confused on what to say. But here's the funny thing is when we do that, we actually embody kind of a works-based salvation, meaning what I, it, it's how I present it that is going to save. It's how I communicate it that matters. And so if I communicate it or fumble through it or say something silly, then I'm done. Or if I don't, like a car salesman, bring it to a close in this moment, then I have failed. Right? So, so we, we kind of get into it. And I'm like, well, when else would you have a conversation like that? Right? Like, like when, when else do you just step into a conversation like that? Your language changes, your seriousness changes, and you just, you just turn into like an alien. And so we forget that the job of a witness, the one who testifies, the one who speaks, is simply to point. Just to kind of be like, it's over there. He's over there. Like, I, we can talk about it. And it's not about me. I can't save. My words can't save. My eloquence can't save. Whether or not I do or do something or say or don't say the right thing, can't do it. I was just reading yesterday from some of my students, like their last, they have to do six spiritual conversations a semester. Right? They have to get through six and then kind of report on them. Now I just have to tell them, I'm like, I'm not reporting on whether, like, grading you on whether or not this person got saved. Like, I'm not, like, that's not my point here. Like, I, that's not my, I don't do that. I'm not the one, the arbiter on salvation. I just, I'm just reading about you talking to people about the Lord. Like, that's all I'm doing. And maybe I'll have a thing you could have said or a question you could have asked. Or, but it's funny how students get kind of so caught up. And like, I think I messed this up or I think I didn't say this or next time I'll say this. And I'm like, you don't know if you'll say that next time or not. But this is what's great. In the Gospel of John, we, we just had this glorious explanation of the pre-incarnate word as the creator of all things. And then we get this like abrupt entrance into the world of this guy, John. Right? It's like, it's, it, it's like we're going to talk about John now. And so we have this like turn from this lofty, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. By him all things were made. And you're like, there was a man sent from God, his name was John. He came to talk about the light. He was not the light. Like, like he did, and then you get this like broken neck turn to talking about a guy. But what's great in these three verses, and so comforting for me, is you get to see how John the Baptist, not John the author of the gospel, John the Baptist speaks. You get to see his role in the speaking of Jesus into this world, the, the way he would herald him or testify about him, witness about him. So he's kind of the forerunner of the Messiah, but he's not the Messiah. And so we get to go, well, how do we see John serve as one who testifies? How do we recognize a John? And then we can go, well, what does it mean to even be a witness? Right? As we look at John, we go, well, what does it mean to be somebody who knows Jesus Knows, knows who he is. How does that relate to us now? 
How can we speak of these things? How do, we, how do we point to the word? How do we point to the light? And so you'll see the passage. We've already read it. It's three verses. And it's clearly about John the Baptist's role in the announcement of Christ and his ministry into the world. And you go, so we're making a link that might feel like, well, I'm not the forerunner to Jesus. Right? That happened one time. John the Baptist was this person. So I'm not this person. So John the Baptist was pointing to Jesus in what he would do, okay? But he has done that. So now those who witness point back to Jesus in what he did, right? So John sees him and goes, this is who this guy is. And we just point back and go, that work has been completed. John died before the ministry of Jesus finished. He lost his life for his witness, And so we point back. In John's ministry, we do get to see both what it means for him as the forerunner and then what what one who heralds really does. And this passage gives us great... Really, in three verses, we learn a lot about what it means to testify, which is a big theme in the Gospel of John to witness, to bear witness, to testify, and we'll see some of those examples as we go. So we're going to see really three things, that the God who sins, okay, that's the first thing we'll see, the message of those who are sent, that's the second, so the God, the, uh, the sender, the message of the one sent, and then implications of those two things, the God, the sender, the message of the one who sent, and those implications, and we start right there with verse six, God alone sends messengers, God sends messengers. That's what, that, like, like, he is the sender, and God is always the sender, okay? <clears throat> there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He's not called John the Baptist. In fact, all the Gospels, they don't talk about a lot of the same things, especially the Gospel of John. But John the Baptist, the feeding of the 5,000, the death, burial, resurrection, they're all in all the Gospels. I was speaking with somebody yesterday about that very thing. We were sitting around, he was reading the Gospel of John, and he, he knew that I was doing a sermon series on the Gospel of John, and so he started to ask me questions about the Gospel of John. And I said, oh, I said, the coolest thing about the Bible, and it gives you great confidence, I said, what if we just sat here in this Starbucks, and for the next 10 minutes we observed? We just observed what was, and then we wrote down what we observed for the 10 minutes. I said, there would be moments, right, maybe, maybe, there's, a, maybe there's a loud noise, and we all, we all write the loud noise. Uh, but very often, because I'm looking this way and you're sitting this way, like we're not going to say the same kinds of things in the same ways. Uh, but we're still logging the 10 minutes of time together, right? Like we're going to talk about it differently. I said the fact that the, that the Gospels talk about some of the exact same things and they talk about different things only makes me more confident in the character of the Gospels. Because they're not like, because his question was like, well, did they all get together? I love talking to people who are like new to the Bible about the Bible. Did they all just get together and, and decide they were going to write the story? I was like, no, 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 no. Like, like, you don't know if it's Mark in priority or Matthew in priority. Like, you don't know. But, but no, they didn't decide together. But then as a gospel came out, they would, they would use a source. They would use the story. Luke was a guy who would do a lot of research. And the fact that they do all this work and they're still different is awesome. Because God's not scared of that. So John, the gospel writer, never calls him John the Baptist in that sense, like, like you would usually have. He just calls him whose name was John. And you'll see John, the gospel writer, kind of separate himself 
from references to himself in there. And so he's trying to always going to go, I'm not that guy, but he always, the disciple Jesus loved. Like, that's the funny stuff, but separates himself. So he's talking about this man, John. And we see that God alone is the sender. Well, John the Baptist is a forerunner to Christ's ministry. You have to remember that it's been pretty quiet on the prophetic front for some time. Hundreds of years it has been quiet. And now this person shows up on the scene in Matthew... Matthew chapter 3, you see him as a preacher in the wilderness. In Mark, he's one who helps to prepare the way. He shows up right away in Mark. Mark chapter 1, verse 2, you see John the Baptist show up. In Luke, he is one. We get to read about the angelic proclamation of John, that, that, that his birth was divine in the sense that like God spoke it to be. God said this is how it will go. So as you read in Luke, you hear a totally different aspect, not just of his ministry, but you get introduced from him to him as an angel proclaims, you're going to have a child and you're going to name him John. And then his dad can't speak anymore. And he writes down, his name will be John. And so in each of these gospel stories, you're hearing about this one who comes and heralds. What you learn in Luke is that they're actually relatives. Luke and uh, uh, John the Baptist and Jesus are relatives. And Mary stays with John's mom for a few months, I believe three months of her pregnancy. As they're there together, they stay together. In John, he is the witness that others might believe. You see that in verses 6 through 8. So the ministry of John the Baptist is always there as a forerunner. Scripture said there would be one who would proclaim. John shows up into History, time, and space, right? He is born, and he heralds, he trumpets, he speaks. Now, when I say God sends, God is the sender, what I want to, us to recognize is that God has a history of sending people to proclaim what is true, right? So, so God, God sends people to say things that he's doing, which is unsurprising, but here are some examples that we'll see. We'll go back into what we our sermons, our last kind of book sermon series, the book of Exodus. This is what the Lord says to Moses. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. What do we read there? Come, I will send you. God calls Moses or speaks to him from the burning bush and says... I'm going to send you, and you're going to do my work to bring my people out of the land. Now, if you were with us for our Exodus series, you know it is God the whole time acting. <clears throat> it is not Moses' speech, because he doesn't think he's a good speaker. It's not his confidence in his own character. It is not even his desire, because as you read Exodus, you find that time and time again, Moses is like, why me? Right? Like He's annoyed by it. But the thing is, God sends. God sends. You see this in the ministry of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, this is Isaiah, Here I am. Send me. And he said, go and say to the people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. 
Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. What a, what a commission. Go and have no one listen to you. And he's like, all right. I'm like, go and have no one listen. So, so God is sending Isaiah to a people who aren't going to listen. But that was the commission that he was given. God sends Moses. God sends Isaiah. And again, we could look at many other examples of God sending. Sending to people to declare what God is doing. As we are today, we see God sending John the Baptist to speak of Jesus, the Messiah, and his ministry. But what do we see also? Because all of this revolves around, ultimately, God sending his son. God sending his son. You'll see this in just a few chapters. You know the verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The apostle Paul, a man who did not believe Jesus, was who he says he was at first, but then was rather convinced in Acts chapter 9, that he was. He writes it like this in Galatians chapter 4. But when the fullness of time had come, when everything that needed to have happened, happened, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. God sends John the Baptist. God sends his son. After the ascension, God still sends. God still sends. It's not just sending people up until the time of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus and then going, we're done. But even after the ascension, God still sends. Now it begins, don't forget, in Acts chapter 2 with the sending of his spirit to indwell his people so that they can proclaim and point to the Messiah, Jesus. But then we have examples like in Acts chapter 13 where the early disciples are gathered together in Antioch and we read this. There were in Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they, were down, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Notice there is a change, right? That the Spirit now is, is revealed as an actor in the sending after the resurrection and the ascension and the sending of the Spirit. But there they are together, worshiping and fasting and praying, and the Lord says, set aside. And they set them aside, as the Lord said, so that they can go and speak of him. This is what's really important then. And we see the pivot that the Gospel of John makes from verse 6 into verse 7. That God sends messengers. And the reminder for us is that if somebody shows up on the scene, they're like, God sent me. And you're kind of like, really? <laughs> how? Right? Because he's revealed where he sent people and how he sent them. And so like, let's look at what he, what he has revealed and how he has done that. 
And so God sends his messengers, but what do the messengers do? What do they do? That's the that second idea. Well, they speak of God's message. That's really it. They speak, of, they speak of the message that God has. They speak of his, for us, right, his salvation as revealed in Christ. Moses did not fully understand what was going on, but he did know that God had a plan to save Israel out of Egypt. He didn't go before Pharaoh and go, believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Because the son had not come into the world yet. But he was a part of this heralding of God's plan that gets us to the Messiah. That the heralding of even the messengers chronologically before Jesus get us to this moment where the son comes into the world. Messengers bear God's message. They speak of God's message. Verses 7 and 8. He, John, came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Now, we're going to look at verses 7 and then verse 8. And the first thing that we see is we're just going to go through John a little bit. The word, the, the verbal idea, right, to bear witness or the noun of witness shows up roughly 60 times in the Gospel of John. This idea of bearing witness, testifying, speaking, proclaiming, right? That that shows up consistently. But John, again, tells us why the gospel exists, why he wrote it, so that people might believe. And so testifying, witnessing, speaking of what you've seen, these are consistent themes in the gospel of John. I'm not going to give you all of them. I'm going to give you six of them, okay? I'm just going to give you six. The Samaritan woman, John chapter 4, the woman at the well. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him, Jesus, because of the woman's what? Testimony. He told me all that I ever did. Now I'm going to say this when we're there in John chapter 4, and I'm going to say it now. What he told her about herself wasn't the most flattering. Okay? Wasn't the most flattering life details. And yet, what does she do but go back to her people and say, he knows everything about me. He knows everything about me. But he didn't condemn her. It's that testimony that makes everybody go, huh, I need to hear about this guy. Because I have some stuff in my closet, too. And if he's not going to get mad at me for it, like if I can be forgiven for that, I want to I find out who he is. He heard everything about me. And so Samaritans believe because of the woman's testimony. Let's look at the idea of the scriptures. John chapter 5, verse 39. You, he's talking to religious leaders, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Right, so the... Testimony of the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, but the testimony of the scriptures in John chapter 5 speak of Jesus. The works that Jesus does in the Father's name, John chapter 10, Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe, the works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. The works that he does bear witness about him. The Samaritan woman, the scriptures, Jesus' works. He raises Lazarus from the dead, John chapter 12. 
the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. What did they bear witness about? What they saw. What they saw. They don't bear witness about how they felt about what they saw, what they thought about what they saw, just what they saw. Well, Jesus was there, and Lazarus was definitely dead, and then he wasn't. Do with that what you will. Do with that what you will. So, the resurrection of Lazarus, the crowds go, Jesus did this. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, John chapter 15, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. You see a theme yet? The Samaritan woman speaks of what Jesus told her about her. He knows everything about me. The scriptures testify to Jesus. Jesus is rebuking the religious leaders to go, you search the scriptures because you think the words themselves have life, but they talk about me and I have life. The works done in the Father's name bear witness about Jesus. The crowds after Lazarus bear witness about what Jesus had done. The Holy Spirit bears witness about Jesus. You know the Spirit is at work when people understand Jesus better. And then John the disciple, the end of the gospel. This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. Witness, testimony, witness, testimony, witness, testimony, bearing witness, speaking about what is true, speaking about what is seen, not speaking about how I feel about what is seen. That's where we get hung up. We get hung up on speaking about how I feel about what I've seen or what I've read or what I've heard. But when you do that, you make it about you. And your persuasiveness is now contingent upon how excited you are about something. Or how confident you are about something in the moment. Or what you had for breakfast. Because your stomach's upset and now you don't want to have a conversation, right? Like all of those things. Messengers bear witness to what God has spoken to what God has done. That's fundamentally what a witness does. They testify about what God has done. They are not concerned primarily or exclusively about outcome because you don't know how somebody might respond. You don't know what they might say or how they might... They might might be mad at you. Or, as we see examples in the New Testament, they might kill you for it. You don't know how they might respond, but you can point to what Jesus has done. You can point to what Jesus has done. And all of these ways of bearing witness are valuable for us. What do I mean? What do I mean with that idea of bearing witness about, about Jesus? Well, at times, like the Samaritan woman, you are sharing your own testimony of what happened. All I know is that this guy knew everything about me, right? Like, all I know is that I was totally caught in my sin, and he forgave me. 
right? And, and, and the Apostle Paul does this. If you finish the book of Acts with us in our Bible reading, like he even speaks about what God did for him. And he'll just go through the story biographically, essentially. He's just going to go, oh, well, I was like this, and then Jesus came, and then my sight was restored, and now I'm talking about Jesus all the time. Like, that's what I do. And so, like, he just, he just tells the details of what happened. He just, right, the, the autobiography of the convert, the personal testimony of how Jesus saved you. That's, that's like the example we have, like, the Samaritan woman. But at times, it's not our testimony, like, what happened to us. It's just reading the scriptures and going, hey... Yeah, that is pretty cool, isn't it? What do, you think about, what do you think about a Savior who does that? Right? It's just pointing to the Scriptures and saying, what do you see here? Or when you see God move, or when you see God save somebody and somebody else looks upon it, and they see it, and you go, man, what do you think about that? What God is doing, the work's done in Christ's name. When you see God move and you just ask people what they think, the Spirit is always at work in those moments, revealing the, the, the goodness and mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. And so... We might, we might speak about it in different ways, right? The Lord might provide different opportunities, but at the same time, all we're doing is pointing to him. Now, we do see this in the Gospel of John. He, he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe, okay? You speak and you speak and you speak so that people might believe, but you can't make people believe, right? You can't make people believe. It doesn't work out well, I promise. Then there's this verse 8, and verse 8 kind of stands out to me. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Varied opinions on why he was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light might even be there. One thought is, maybe there was this sect of people that really thought highly of John the Baptist. Uh, You actually see that in the book of Acts. You see somebody shows up, Paul shows up, and they're like, have you heard of the Holy Spirit? And they're like, we don't know the Holy Spirit. All we know is the baptism of John. Right? Like there is this group of people, not in Israel, who have some understanding of John the Baptist and what he was doing, but not of the Holy Spirit and what he was doing. And so so there's this idea that, well, maybe, maybe John the disciple is just separating out just to remind you, if you think John the Baptist is all that, he's not. Right? It's, it, it's, about, it's about Jesus. So that's one thought that maybe there was this just sect of early first century people who thought John the Baptist was a pretty important guy and he was just trying to highlight the difference. But you don't really know that. And in fact, John the Baptist, if you read the other gospel accounts, they'll ask him questions like, well, hey, are you this person? Are you this person? Are you this person? And he's like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> like, he's just saying, no, I'm not this person. But what we can see in that statement, he was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, is that we have to remember that the messenger is unique from the message. Okay? Now, why might this matter? Why might it matter to separate out the one who is speaking from the one we speak of? Why would we do that? Well, there's a pretty pretty important reason that I think about just in ministry today, which is so often our view of God is only known through the people who speak about him. And so when they screw up, that's how we view God. And there's this little separation to go, hey, you can kind of go, it's not an out to be morally bankrupt, trust me. But you go, 
he bears witness about the light. He's not the light. He's not the light. Even if John would have let you down, what he still bore witness about was true. What he still said was true. So there's this separation. He was not the light. John never claimed to be the Messiah. He only wanted you to know the Messiah. And the distinction between messenger and message is incredibly important. Because the messenger has the aim of showing people Jesus. And they don't testify about themselves. Now, this might seem funny. I know even saying that might seem funny. But I will ask you this. In our world, which is hypersaturated with talking about yourself and posting pictures about yourself and proclaiming what's going on in your life, do you think remembering that it's not about you can kind of be important? Right? Can we, not, can we not remember that, oh yeah, you know what? Letting people know more about me may not be the most important thing going on in this world. Especially as somebody who has been changed by grace, transformed by the spirit of Christ so that I could live for Christ. Maybe you don't need to know what I ate for lunch. Maybe that's not the most important part of what I say today. But the, but the most important part of what I say today and do today is how I speak of my Savior with others. Maybe that's what matters. And so John the Baptist, the forerunner, was pointedly interested in people following Jesus. To the point that he would say to his own disciples, because you have to remember in this time, like, religious leaders had followers. They had disciples, right? What Jesus was doing in the selecting of the disciples was not uncommon, Rabbis would have people that they would teach and instruct, and they would have schools that they would teach and instruct. So Jesus was not in the sense of being, being one who was instructing a group of, of men here. Like That was not odd, what he instructed, how he instructed, a little different. But speaking like that, but this is what John the Baptist would do, because John the Baptist would have his followers too. And then when John the Baptist sees Jesus, he just looks at his guys and he's like, ah, uh, that guy. You can go follow him, go be with him. He's the one that you need to be following. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. I would say that phrase right there, the second half of verse 8, or verse 8, is incredibly important to us in a world hypersaturated with telling them about what we've done, what we're doing, what we think is cool, what we ate, how our kids are succeeding, all the stuff that we love to testify about. And isn't it funny, because even when we do that, we're like a pseudo-testifier, because we actually get it. We're just talking about what happened. But we're talking about the wrong things. We're talking about things that are wholly insignificant. And yet we talk about them with the zeal of an evangelist. So... What we see, 6, 7, 8, about the witness of John, that he was sent from God, that he bears witness about the message. He speaks as the forerunner to the Messiah into this world. And as you read about his, his testimony, he just says, him, him, him. It is him. That's what he does. 
He just points to Jesus as the Messiah. Even when Jesus wants to be baptized and is baptized by John, John's like, this isn't how it's supposed to work, right? Like, like he, he has this view of Jesus, which is so surpassingly great that doing anything that would make him seem like he is an authority in the life of Jesus, he wants to stay so far away from, so far away from, And yet that phrase we know so well at Christmas time, when John sees him, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Look at him, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John bears witness. John testifies John speaks of what he sees in Jesus, of what is true about Jesus. We have to remember this. Bearing witness about Christ is, this is the way God made it. This isn't the way Hans made it. This isn't the way Genesis made it. This is the way God made it. Bearing witness about Christ is a necessary part of people coming to know Christ. Like, it, it, it goes together. Now, why? Why did God choose us, a bunch of misfit losers that he, that he saved by his grace to declare him to this world, knowing full well that we're going to screw it up, get uncomfortable, feel weird, feel weird, fumble through it, misunderstand, walk away going, I have no idea how I did it. You know why? Because then at the end, when people come to know Christ, it's not because of me. It's not because of you. It's not because John was awesome, though he was. It's because Jesus is awesome, and Jesus saves. And so, yes, God has, has made it so that people he sends go and speak of him. It's what you read. Paul says, how will they hear if no one's been sent Somebody must preach, somebody must proclaim, somebody must speak of what God has done. Speak of who he is. They must. Because that's, that is the way God brings sons and daughters into his kingdom. Not by my eloquence. Not by your eloquence. Not by me memorizing a list of arguments. You go, okay, well, if they say this, I'll say this. And if they say this, I'll say that. And if they say this, I'll say that. Not by learning good closing tactics on gospel stories and gospel messages. But because God moves in power to save sinners. Now, think about us. We are different, and we are different in one sense and the same in another. Here's a sense in which we are different, right? Like, I was not prophesied about, meaning there's no Old Testament passage you're going to read that's like, oh, and that's Hans, right? Like, he's going to show up in 2021 and be at Genesis and say things about God, like, right? Like, that's not the game we play here. You were not spoken of in that way. So there was the revelation that there would be one who would proclaim, make way for the Lord. 
And that ministry was given to John the Baptist. That ministry was not given to me. And that ministry was not given to you. So there is a difference between what we read here in John 1, 6 through 8, and what we might do with it. But let us not forget this. Every Christian here, in this room, right now, anybody saved by grace, indwelt by God's Spirit, has been commissioned to speak of Him. Every single one. It's not like a, well, maybe I was, or maybe you were, or, well, you're much better at it. I hate that statement. Well, you're just so much better at it. I don't care. I mean, if it's about finding who's better, I'll just go find somebody else who's better at preaching and leave. Like, that's fine, too. Right? Like, 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 it's not about finding what's better. It's about recognizing, no, God did this in all of us. Why? Now, think about it. Everyone who has trusted in Christ for their salvation of their sins has been given the Spirit. And what does the Spirit do? Testify about Jesus. Okay? Spirit testifies about Jesus. Also, be it if you're in Matthew 28 or in Acts chapter 1, what do we see? But God's sending. In Matthew 28, he gives the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. So, the one about whom we testify has sent the testifiers out into this world to testify about him. In Acts chapter 1, we see the understanding that the Spirit is what gives us the power to proclaim this message. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So we look back on what John the Baptist has done to herald the Messiah, but we also look at what exists for us being the Holy Spirit indwelling every Christian and the Great Commission and what Jesus says in Acts chapter 1, and we go, you know what? In a sense, we do the same thing. We look at Jesus and we point to Jesus and we say, it is Jesus who saves. It is Jesus who gives life. It is Jesus who transforms people. It is not me, not my skill set, not my talent, not my eloquence. John the Baptist bore witness about Jesus even though people did not believe. We see that more next week. He came to his own people. They did not receive him. The world rejected him. Even as you proclaim, even as you point, people did not receive. But we remember, even as we look at 6, 7, and 8, God's the sender. John's the heralder. He speaks. And all he speaks about is who Jesus is. I have to tell you, it is one of the most freeing things in your evangelism to simply talk about Jesus. And it can just be this question, what do you think about Jesus? (laughs) Where do you stand with Jesus right now? I mean, when I talk to people, and I, I, I'm not this super evangelist, trust me. Trust me. But you have conversations with people about the Lord, like, I don't have an angle other than, of course, I want people to believe. But, man, what's your experience? Have you heard? What do you think about this? 
It was just awesome. Even, even the guy I was, I was talking to recently, where he, he, he said, he was like, you know, I didn't even know the Bible was about real people. Right? Like, I didn't know that. I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be fun, right? So, like, like, that's where you get because, like, let's talk about it then. Like, let's talk about it, right? Because what, what changes if this is real? What changes if John the Baptist was a real person who came and lost his head because of his testimony about Jesus? What happens then? Right. Must say something about the one he died for. I mean, even, even when you have... Uh, disciples of John, okay, disciples of John, he had a few that we can read about. John the Apostle had people he mentored who were executed because of their testimony of Jesus in their 80s. Executed in his 80s because of his testimony about Jesus, his confidence in Jesus. He was asked to recant Early Christians were called atheists because their view of God was so peculiar that the Roman world didn't have another word for them. So they were atheists. They were against God and against the Roman gods and against emperor worship. And so they would say, turn and reject this, embrace the emperor, and you'll live. A disciple of John the Apostle says, my Lord has never done anything wrong to me, so how in the world could I say, reject him? And he dies. Following in a long thread of men, women, and children who have lost their lives because they witness about what is true. With no concern for how they're viewed, with no concern for whether or not it's somebody might like them or, you know, like, and not going, well, this is what I think. What do you think, right? Like, you just speak about what it is. God saves. Witnesses point to the light. Let the Spirit work. And whatever happens... Even if it's your death, even if it's my death, even though it was John's death, it's okay. Because God's doing something. His people herald him and speak of him and talk about him and what is true.